0: Monaco wasn't just Verstappen. It was advanced Verstappen. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Hey, gang. I'm Dre Harrison, your friendly neighborhood host, and welcome to the blessed edition of Motorsport 101, episode 444. Lando Norris and Lewis Hamilton have come together to form one episode of Motorsport 101. You'll love to see it. And uh, welcome to our review of the second part of Day of Classics. We actually did it in reverse order this time around. We we couldn't help ourselves and get the Indy 500 out of the way first. And thankfully, I can now confirm that my ears have recovered from Monday's taping. Uh, Because RJ was in fact so loud, not only did he break Riverside, he also broke Cam Buckley's ears and he wasn't even on the podcast. (laughs) Uh, No, no, I don't.
1: I I think that's a good cover story. Actually, what I was doing was um, pushing an effigy of uh, Renus VK through a desk fan. That I'm I'm driving to his house with a pair of pliers and a blowtorch. (laughs) I'm so angry.
0: That is a I'm hell of a so way. So angry. That is a hell of a way to spend the birthday. Happy belated by the way, Mr. Buckley.
1: <sighs> yeah, um for my birthday, um I went out. I had a wonderful burger with uh, one of my best friends. Um I enjoyed the day off from work and I watched the Celtics shit themselves on international television. <laughs> well, they can all be winners. Hey, No. No, uh, <laughs> you know, we beat the sleep allegations.
0: But yes, that's, that is that's, that's about it. Yeah, um, mm. like I know we got swept as a Lakers fan, but at least I can say we probably didn't deserve to lose four nothing. We went down with honor. It was a close this, sweep. It was a close if there was sweep. such a thing. It was a weird thing. It's Like it, we were we were four nothing swept, but three of the games were competitive, like right into the fourth. And I'm like, this is this is gonna look so much worse than it actually is. But here we are. Welcome to the uh, Western Conference versus Eastern Conference losers edition of the podcast. It's just me and Cam on this occasion. It's a very comfy uh, setting for this episode. And uh, shout out to Jason, who's in the chat also told me this is my 399th edition of Motorsport 101 where I've hosted the show, which is uh, quite a milestone. So that means, God, probably Formula E maybe, or maybe probably F1 in Spain most likely will be my 400th show. God, I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> Matt says, "Man who turns 31 in August." Um, here we are. But uh, oh, I mean, we, we got to talk a little in five hundred as well, given that you weren't on that one. Cam obviously celebrating uh, the Boston Celtics' glorious existence, and uh, like, if you see, see if see if see if you could talk about it without mentioning Rena's VK for like 30 seconds. But I mean, what did you make of it all?
1: Um, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> oh, that's that, those are my thoughts right there. Um, as, as the Alex polo pick uh, picker <laughs> of the podcast, uh, fuck my life.
0: Um, well, well no, to be it fair, was, we, it was a fun race. It well, to be fair, we we both picked Pato, so we we all came up like em- completely empty on this. Well, at least your man finished fourth.
1: <sighs> yeah, and it was a hell of a recovery from polo who was M- magnificent in, drive. It, he was so good, and that was supposed to be the caution that was going to get him, you know, on terms with everyone on fuel. Mm 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 up it was in smoke. Um yeah I mean look it's a it's about damn time for Joseph Newgarden it was Absolutely. about damn time uh, fantastic drive through the field kind of out of nowhere but he was 17th running. to the
0: win it was yeah. crazy
1: but he was running up there in the top 5 for the last you know half of the race just lurking. Um, you know if you're going to be if you want to be NASCAR drop the act like you're better than NASCAR and just make a green white checker rule
0: you might as well at this point if you if you're so insistent on finishing a race under green no matter what like to the point where you're going to dust off one of one of your ancient rules that you never ever used to justify mm. a one lap restart at the end one that
1: they bypassed in in 2020 mm. when uh, the last time Sato won where they, and a little bit of a different situation, of course, because the pit attenuator got destroyed mm. by the car that ended up hitting it with and the caution that ended up ending the race. Right. But there was more time left to go, and they finished that one under yellow.
0: Yeah, with five. That was five to go when Takuma Sato won that one in 2020, and they were just like, sod it, run the last five under yellow, Takuma's won the 500, basically.
1: Yeah, and given the nature of the 500 where... Uh, with these cars, the car in second place is almost always going to have an advantage mm. in a one lap shootout. While IndyCar did not break any of their own rules, Marcus Erickson probably does have something to be aggrieved by.
0: Absolutely. I think I can't blame Marcus for being upset because the way that race ended, while well, yes, it is technically in the rule book, IndyCar never ends races that way. Ever. No. This the and- first. And like the fact that they were like, you cannot tell me as an IndyCar fan, you, you cannot tell me that you've not copied F1's homework to, you know, by doing something I mean, like the, this where you've the, bent a rule. I mean, okay. Technically you've not broken any rules. Just the difference between that and Abu Dhabi, obviously that's the, the great unspeakable no, tragedy. But they've done, that,
1: but that's exactly what people ask for them to do in Abu Dhabi rather than doing what they did. F1 did this in Baku 21. Yeah, And the it two lap restart. Yeah, one
0: yeah. lap. It was one yeah. lap. Was it one? Well, I thought it was two. I, swear. I think it was two. Was it two? I think it was two. I think it was a two lap standing restart. I, I
1: the, the the sound of Mark Webber's scream appears to have damaged my memory of that race. the, the strangled chicken? Yes, the strangled chicken. Mark Webber reacting <laughs> to the, uh, the break magic moment. But, I mean, we saw the same thing in Australia as well, mm. uh, where Absolutely. they threw three standing restarts at them
0: yeah that was the first f1 race ever with three red flags in it and it ended on the yellow anyway which i think is just the most ironically hilarious thing about that race that <laughs> they ran out of laps to play with basically and,
1: and we ended up getting incredibly lucky given the nature of the 500 given the fact that uh we are, the world is now less one chevy cruz named snowball <laughs> um,
0: yep, yep. With
1: that crash thank that, goodness
0: it uh, ended up there and, and nowhere infinitely more dangerous
1: I, I was talking to one of my friends um, who, who also follows the 500 uh, texting kind of back and forth during the race mm. and her and I were just kind of mortified at the same time and then yeah. we've got into a long, lengthy discussion about uh, what the
0: insurance policy looks like if a tire falls from the sky. <laughs> As we said on Top Gear, this is going to need more than that little box. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that Indianapolis have turned it into a bit of a feel-good story, and they're going to give uh, Rosie, the owner of of the her beloved late beloved Snowball, a new car, to compensate for a one-in-a-million event like that, where that tire got fucking yeeted over the catch fence and 100 feet down the fucking road. Um, so absolutely crazy scenes there. And yeah, like I, I can only echo what Cam was saying. Like, delighted for Joseph. No one in the field is, I think, in terms of sheer driving quality, has deserved the 500 more than him.
1: Um, Stop trying to make Santino a thing. You can't did, make me like him.
0: You did, did you a good dis- race like did you listen to Monday Showcam where we actually found out the startling revelation that like there is actually a massive conflict of interest confirmed in that booth?
1: Oh, where uh Townsend Bell is just doing it basically to rile up Hinchcliffe?
0: No, it's the fact that he's a DC Santucci's agent.
1: Oh <laughs> well. Uh no wonder no wonder he seems to go blind every time he's on screen. Like when that, that when that uh tire left the pit box and all he got was a warning.
0: It's this fucking sport sometimes. This series, man. Like I don't like, know if it was over the line. I'm like Townsend, here <laughs> You can't hear it because he McCab is waving his glasses in frustration at the fact that Townsend Bell literally pretended he was blind to defend his client. Michael uh,
1: Laverty looking ass, as Jason said in the chat.
0: Absolutely. Very much so. <laughs> so fucking Also just realized we don't normally record record of our cameras on when we do these podcasts on Riverside. Like I'm slowly realizing that Cam as he gets older is looking more and more like Julian Ryder. Um... <laughs> um call it the Honda Motor Company for nothing. You know, the Honda
1: Motor Company did not sweep Day of Classics, it was a Chevrolet that won. Um you know, I think they'll take it anyway yeah i I think uh i think Mm. i think it should be time now we've gotten the 500 out of our system Mm. let's delve into the first part of day of classics um well it went pretty much exactly as expected
0: yeah it's just the way that we got there was a bit more complicated than we probably would have anticipated Mm. but i can't believe i'm saying this i think we had a good monaco just add water question mark who knew? Just add water and apparently Monaco becomes infinitely more interesting. So yeah. we'll be talking all about that, the qualifying lap that was seen around the world. Um a bad day for the number twos. Um, well, generally speaking, it's a bad day for the number two for some people. But unfortunately, in this case, we're talking about Sergio Perez and Lance Stroll. Um, I, I think
1: I think we can throw a little window into Russell and uh, Signs days as well because they also had <laughs> s- struggle issues days. It's like we had two uh, so we, we had two streets. guys
0: here and we got two honourable mentions um, in their own right because George Russell blew a podium and Carlos Sainz drove like ass, um, like it was it, and got away with it for the most part because it could have been a thousand times worse for car loss. Um, wrecked yeah, a car early in the weekend and then bounces off the wall at Mirabeau later on as well. And we got beef. Alpine related beef because uh, senior management at the French factory are at loggerheads at the moment. No, I totally didn't rip this off the WTF1 script that I just wrote on the YouTube channel. Thumbs up. Um, this, is, <laughs> this is platform cross-pollination. Damn. um so all i'm saying is i'm being efficient with the effort i'm putting into my content Well, <laughs> then that's my story and i'm sticking to it uh, places you can find us real quick we are on motorsport101.com if you want to see all of our social media details all of our profiles on there and some bonus content because there's been two more race reviews from yours truly um on both this race and the indy 500 itself if you want something like three and a half thousand words in total on both of those it's it's a fun time and i get into a lot more detail about the indy 500 and what i felt about not only new garden winning which quick well, one more quick side note indycar promote the fucking bejesus out of this man he is gold i cannot tell you again you blew your chance in 2017 and you've got another chance to do it now market your sport No, the most market, the second, arguably the second most marketable man in your entire series and first on the list of non-Mexicans just won your biggest race. Get your shit together, Um, etc. Talking about that, talking about obviously a bit about Monaco and what we're getting into in the podcast right now. Um, and a bunch of other good stuff on there as well. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can at Motorsport underscore one oh one. And if you want to follow our personal handles, you can at Dre underscore WTF1 and at C 917 RJ, who's currently uh in France for Le Mans, the lucky bastard, um, is at RJ O'Connell. And of course, big shout out to Ryan Eric King, the man, the myth the legend himself, for coming back uh for Monday's edition of the show there. Um, I will pay for these for the for the ear surgery. Forgive me, big man um uh, <laughs> but uh, uh of course if you really like us you can back us financially as well on patreon <laughs> patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 five bucks to get you early access to all the episodes before they go after the public you can upgrade to ten dollars to get so- access to the supporters club of our discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they are being recorded as jason is right now shout out to jason hope you enjoyed the show big man shall we get into the 2023 Monaco grand prix Let's. Let's do it. Welcome to the Max Verstappen show. First up, we have to talk about a highlight of the season in general, Monaco qualifying. With three minutes to go in Q3, Esteban Ocon shocks the world by placing his Alpine on pole by a nice margin of 0.2. 101. Good time, Findy. Very on brand, if I do say so myself. (laughs) Fernando Alonso took it back briefly, only for Max Verstappen to lay down an incredible final sector, a Delta a quarter of a second quicker than the Spaniard to take his 23rd career pole position. What did you make of the of the Monaco qualifying drama, Mr. Buckley?
1: (sighs) That was a fucking outrageous lap. (laughs) <laughs> um, the demons of Saudi Arabia 21 have been put to bed this is better in my opinion I mean there is no such thing as a perfect lap but I don't think we've seen a sector executed as perfectly in all my time watching this dumb sport um, mm. I mean when he turned the car in for the swimming pool and he clipped the wall and didn't break his suspension and then bounced the curb but controlled it and then hit the wall three more times. I mean, you can't get much more perfect than that. Right. He
0: he was, he was too tempted. Yeah. Yeah. He rode the final sector he was two temps down going into that final sector from Fernando's best time. And you're sitting there thinking, there's no way you can recover two temps in the final split. Um, not around Monaco, not in a sector that's normally only about 18 seconds long. Like where do you find the time? And like, you actually look back on the telemetry. He gained about a 10th and a half in the back end of the swimming pool section. Then another temp through Rascas. He was inch perfect. Through the those three corners. That's where that's where he won it. It was unbelievable. He, he it.
1: I mean, I, I think I said whoa about three times in quick succession as he was flowing the car through because it's one of those sectors where you just think he's he's gonna crash.
0: Right. Because he's no done way. it, he's he's crashed there twice before in his career. He's he's had a knack of going into that outside wall
1: one of one of the arguably the biggest inflection point of his career as a driver was when he threw away what probably would have been a 2018 monaco win when he'd been the car in fp3 just over driving in a free practice session because he just would never shut it off that was the running theme with him for the first six races of 2018 yeah he just wouldn't shut it off and he kept crashing yeah into walls into people um and just wasting his opportunities well i mean judging by the paint left on the sidewall of his tires <laughs> i don't think he
0: could have said it much more perfectly it was a story of his weekend really like like oh, yeah, walking up to, you know, walking up to the limit nudging it but never quite going fully over it because we I
1: would say that that final sector was almost like what we describe with what with with Mark Marquez. Oh yeah, with the way he laps, where he's the person who's going to step out into the unknown and find what's out there. Mm. Um, and sometimes you come back, sometimes you end up in a well, a, a ball of carbon fiber. In this case, judged it pretty much perfect, and a track where you know this was the one that everyone had circled. This is a track where Red Bull you know they ended up setting pole and they ended up winning the race mm. but they did not have their typical you know pace advantage Aston were very quick here Alpine were very quick here absolutely um it wasn't a foregone conclusion who was going to end up on pole and in the end the driver did make
0: the difference here Absolutely, yes. The Red Bull is a phenomenal car, but I can only echo Cam's sentiments. Where, yeah, this was the one. If if Red Bull was going to lose any race on merit, it was going to be this one. And if it if it isn't for Max taking the liberties that he did, he qualifies second. Alonso is on pole, and it's a very different race, a Mm -hmm. very different race. Because how do you figure out a way to get around them? Like
1: in in a car where. Again, the crossover with with the the way these cars generate lap times, you're not going to get a situation where the Red Bulls' advantage is blunted more than this, no. and you're not going to get a situation where the Aston where the Aston is strong, where its advantages are accentuated by a track.
0: Exactly, It's this war, like you could make a a solid case that the entire race was determined in that final qualifying sector that mattered in that final lap. And Max dug deep into his bag of talent and pulled out one big old miracle, uh, to, to keep Red the job to finish the job and to, to <coughs> keep Red Bull's perfect season alive. Um, because him being able to dictate the terms of engagement during the race was what pushed Aston Martin into arguably a mistake, arguably miscommunication, but just Fernando just did not have it. Like, We'll get into the race in just a minute, but, uh, I mean, you forget that Max Verstappen was able to go 56 laps on the medium tyre and still be as quick as anybody else on track.
1: He brought them to the point where the hards were supposed to start dying out, and he was still clicking off, you know, personal best sectors. Um, Just... It's something that I described with last year's Red Bull, and it's this year's car is everything last year's car was times 10, mm. where it is such an effective and flexible tool. It is fluent in kicking your ass six million different ways. <laughs> it can beat you over a lap. It can beat you in a straight line. It'll beat you into corners. And it's so soft on tires while being yeah. able to fire them up. It can fire the tires up without killing them.
0: Yeah, go-go gadget Swiss Army knife. It has five different ways to beat you. In case of emergency, you can break the glass and say, oh, yeah, we've also got the best driver on the planet right now. Yeah. <laughs> it helps.
1: <laughs> um, we're, we're watching that that perfect mix that comes around. You know, we, saw it, we saw it in 2020 with Lewis and the W11, where you Absolutely. have the best driver in the world at the top of their game, with the best team in the world firing on all cylinders, yeah. Um, and I said, I said jokingly on this podcast before, you know, before the season, and got talked down from it, that Red Bull might run the table. Mm. If they were going to lose a race on merit, it was going to be this one.
0: Yeah, there, there isn't another obvious round that they lose out on paper now. It's going to take a double DNF. It's a double DNF or some sort of breaking. act of God.
1: <sighs> um, because, I mean, even even the final stages of the race, I mean, he just started ripping pace out of Alonso left yeah. and
0: right. Be- yeah, Even on the inters, Max was was still completely dominant. We forget he's a brilliant weather driver as well. Again, like break glass in case of emergency. If the rain comes down, Max is pretty goddamn good there too. Mm. <laughs> like that, like there is. Very little holes in the game of of Max in the, in the Red Bull RB18 at the moment. He, he is on a different plane of existence. So let's talk a little bit about that race uh, now that we come to mention it. It was genuinely thrilling when the rain came down with 25 laps to go. Verstappen was comfortably ahead of Alonso by about eight or nine seconds until it started raining. Mirabeau and Portier got the worst of it. They were the more heavily affected sections of the track first, um, with chaos ensuing as teams debated whether to stay out or change for Inters. With the rain getting worse, Alonso timed this stop to perfection, but for his dry set of mediums, a mistake that might have cost him the win. Instead, Max would dominate for an easy win. The 39th of his career, and for those keeping score at home, it also means he is Red Bull's all-time wins leader. He has now passed Sebastian Vettel's 38 wins uh, for the energy drink supplies from Milton Keynes, because Verstappen now has 39. Uh, he's that feels a- really weird. He's two away from Ayrton Senna. <sighs> two. Oh, he's going to get there. He'll probably pass him in Canada. He'll probably tie him in Canada in two rounds' time.
1: Good God. Um, and he Did is you, well, hmm. well on his way to his third title as well. I mean, good Lord. Um, yeah, I mean.
0: Did Aston Martin's commu- miscommunication cost him the win? Is what I've got written down here. Yes. Because... I, i'm not so sure but you know a bit more about the technical side of things than i do so i'll I'll lead into you for what you reckon
1: i don't think it's so much technical it's just the, the next lap was so slow i mean when the rain mm. came down it just came crashing down on sector two actually sector one and three really took a while to actually um for the track to get untenable on dry tires right but i mean the next lap was almost 30 seconds slower mm. uh, out of max i aston timed the switch perfectly and apparently there was a miscommunication in the garage and they bolted on mediums and that was the death knell for their race because it, it basically it bailed Red Bull out I mean Red Bull and we're going to get into why their other car ended up being a useful guinea pig later mm. but they were actually using Sergio basically as the test dummy uh, as you would if you've got a car that's a couple laps down at Lamar and the rain's coming down well just start throwing tires at them and see what works yeah absolutely um and red bull ended up you know they, they got max onto the inters and then that was day done that was it. had to come in um and then max just kind of motored off from there ended up crossing the line what 28 seconds clear at theoretically their worst
0: track um <laughs> fuck my life this car is cracked um it's like just when you thought that they were at their most vulnerable it's like <laughs> they find a new way to beat you over the head. And uh, with Mjolnir, in this case, it was intermediate pace. Because, oh, yeah, Max has got 0.8 of a second, the lap on you there, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's not super clear cut because no rain, dry terrain transition is. No. But given how slow that next lap was, it was more than a pit stop delta that Max lost on his in-lap. Versus what the inter runners were running.
0: Oh, and look, I'm not gonna lie. I pull for Aston Martin to a degree, obviously from my Sebastian fan supporting days. They're a good set of people for the most part. You want to, you want to see them do well. Even Max has openly admitted, I'd love to see Alonso win again. And I think the entire nation of Spain wants Fernando Alonso to win again. I mean, you forget we are coming up now to the last place he won a Grand Prix 10 years ago, the 2013 Spanish Grand Prix. Um, <sighs> like, you know, it's mad when Carlos Alcaraz is winning games of tennis, the world's number one tennis player, and is writing 33 on the signature end to say, hey, it's a Fernando Alonso reference. Is win 33 coming soon? And uh, side note, Fernando Alonso is in garage number 33 for this weekend. I'm not making this up. Um, get your jokes well, in now. While well,
1: fighting with driver number 33, or at least he used
0: to be. Yeah, yeah. the, the max signature number of 33. Yes. Um, it's the second time Aston Martin has blown a genuine chance of winning a race.
1: Yeah. Because, I mean, we roll it back to Hungary 21 where, um, granted, the only reason they were in that position is because uh, Valtteri Bottas yelled spare going into turn one. (laughs) Yep, most likely, most definitely. Um, And bowled over just about everyone but his teammate and Mm. the left side of Max's car.
0: Oh, yeah. (coughs)
1: But, uh, you know, they ended up burning out fuel out from Vettel's car because it was going to be raining, which it then dried up immediately. And then they play the strategy right. They give him the undercut and then they blew his pit stop. Yep. Um. And Vettel had to spend the rest of the race pushing. He ended up not only finishing second to Esteban Ocon, who we'll get to in a little bit. Mm. Um. He also ends up burning up so much fuel that he gets disqualified from the event because there wasn't enough left to take a sample out of the car. So... You know, this is the second time where Aston has had a legitimate win on the table. um, And operational errors, whether it was just pure miscommunication or just playing it too safe, um, have cost them, you know, in the face of teams that are in winning positions every weekend. I'm not going to say Alpine was in 21, but there was also Lewis Hamilton coming at them with uh, a pair of solid rocket boosters blasting on the side of his car.
0: Oh, yeah, it was it was like Ghost Rider uh, by the last five laps of that race. Like, you will pay you will pay a penance for making me restart a race on my own on the grid. And if that race was two laps longer, Lewis Hamilton wins. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was like
1: seven or eight seconds a lap quicker than the front two <laughs> by the end of the race. Um... But yeah, Aston Aston will be happy with the P2. And Lord, they need it, given how much their second driver is stinking up the joint.
0: Oh, yeah. like We'll get to that very shortly. But uh, yeah, like... But it's a question of
1: what could have been. And this is probably, on merit, their last chance
0: this year. Probably. Um, on paper, barring, again, something catastrophic happening in, in the Red Bull camp. They will like in theory. They probably won't get a better chance than this one, and yeah, they blew it. There's there's no other way of describing it. Unfortunately, they blew this one, and uh, it's a shame because Fernando Alonso is driving so well at the moment. He's been flawless all season long. He he's not put a foot wrong really all year, and his average finish right now in F1 is three. That's that's championship three. form
1: in most it's, years. It's, it's three and he's getting shot to pieces every week by Red Bull.
0: <laughs> His uh. average finish is exactly three. Only because Max Verstappen's right now is 1.33. Mm. That's
1: also on brand.
0: <laughs> this is not there's nothing
1: you can do about that.
0: No! It's it's he's it's, it's he's virtually on If Max gets a clean run, he has won every race so far this season, except for the two, the two ones. The two times he didn't was the drive shaft failure in Jeddah, and a a screw job pit, um, pit strategy call in Baku, and a rare mistake from Hannah Schmidt, who is one of the best in the biz, the who on got pace. it wrong in Baku.
1: The only one on pace that's even been in question was Baku, right? Because he was he was monstrously quick in uh, in. Saudi Arabia it's just he's fighting back from scenic fucking nowhere
0: right unbelievable at the moment and yeah Max is virtually unstoppable Fernando is driving as well as he ever has and there is nothing he can do about it and he's amazingly through all this he's only 12 points behind Sergio Perez in the championship right now there's a very good reason for that should we talk about uh, some of the uh, backup drivers that we that uh, didn't have such a good time this weekend? Because there's, there was a few.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, not, not not a good weekend for second drivers. I mean, Sergio Perez's entire weekend was derailed by a gigantic crash at Sand Devot in Q one, which also exposed the underside of the RB nineteen to the entire world. <laughs> um
0: and that was the second time this has happened that weekend because it happened to lewis hamilton in fp3 as well
1: three happened to the ferrari as well
0: yeah we've seen all
1: three (laughs) floors
0: everyone's just baring their ass for the public all of a sudden like come look at my stomach baby um three times this weekend everybody's floors are now being exposed to the world
1: difference is dre i don't think anyone's trying to copy the mercedes floor um you know, side pods are one of the most innovative things I've ever seen in my time watching F1. But enough about the Lotus 72. <laughs> uh, you know, he started from the back. He recovered to 16th after a pretty messy race. Scruffy. Um, Lance Stroll uh, stunk. Mm-hmm. He lost vital time in Q2 after missing the weight bridge. Um, as Vettel fans, we know all about that. Ugh. Uh, he started 14th and then he crashed at the Lowe's Hairpin. Um, hit the While wall. Wallace
0: times. Yeah, Wallie was inter's. an inter's, He was on the he was on the better tire in the race scenario, and he clattered into the race. He clattered into the Lowe's Hairpin and then clattered into the outside wall at Portier, and then that was his day done.
1: Uh, and before we get into the uh, two that we're going to roast at length, also to say Carlos signs. What the fuck was that? Uh, He drove into the back of Ocon and trashed his front wing and then Mm. was on the correct strategy, switched, uh, got switched up in the rain, got fucked over by the rain, and then, Mm. well, went flying off the road and ended up finishing behind his teammate despite outpacing Leclerc in Monaco all weekend, which is no small feat.
0: It's an incredible incredible accomplishment from Sainz until he blew it for himself, really. And uh, salute to George Russell, who pretty much did the same when he went wide and had to go down the old Nico Rosberg escape road at Mirabeau um, and then clattered into Sergio Perez when he rejoined the (laughs) clacks.
1: Rejoined directly into Sergio's path and got T-boned. Good job, bud. Um, Great
0: job. Five-second time penalty for you and a blown shot at a podium.
1: Yeah. Um, which number one, which number two is in Hotter Water right now?
0: Sergio, I, I'd like to think Sergio has built up enough goodwill that we're not going to completely eviscerate him over this. We, Um, but, well, <laughs> my man just gave me the Uncle Phil we right there. No, um, but uh, Lance Stroll is now... 66 points behind Fernando Alonso after six rounds this year. Sixty-six. Yeah. That's unacceptable. I'm I'm sorry. It's just and and and, and <coughs> you know what the worst part about this is? He actually earned some goodwill at the start of this season when he finished sixth in Bahrain with a broken toe and you know two heavily damaged wrists. Um, you know coming off of what was it? One week of recovery after these initial bike yeah. and accident. Yeah. That Two was broken the risk broken yeah. toe. I can't remember the last time people had spoke so highly of Lance stroll and his determination to, you know, be you know this might be an evolution in Lance as a driver. We he certainly gained some respect in the paddock. Most definitely. I mean, hell my day job employees made a whole last video talking about, you know, is this going to be the turnaround for Lance stroll and, well, no. Uh, uh no, really. Not
1: by a damn sight. Um and it it's just aggravating because when you look at Lance Stroll, he feels like a driver, and I've been saying this for a couple of years, feels like he's regressing rather than progressing. Where in twenty twenty there was legitimate upside to Lance Stroll as a driver. He didn't get pole in Turkey by mistake. None. And he's always been terrific in the wet. Absolutely. Was atrocious this weekend, uh when the rain came down. Um and he just has these 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 lapses in concentration where he's driving fine, and then he does something completely inexplicable, and you just go, what the
0: fuck was that? Right. And, look, I didn't expect him to give Fernando Alonso an honest fight. Like, that's probably too high an expectation for Lance, because Fernando Alonso is still... I mean, he was excellent when he was at Alpine. He's still proven that he is an absolute top-end quality driver um in the last 2 years since coming back from his wec adventures but This this is the thing. We are no longer... You can get away with Lance Straw being mid in a midfield team to a degree because points are less valuable in those sorts of positions, generally speaking. This year, I think, is a bit of an outlier because the top five seem pretty much locked in in terms of pace between Red Bull, Aston, Mercedes, Ferrari, and Alpine. Um, They are the big five. Everybody else seems to be fighting for scraps at the moment. Um, However you are no longer like not not even, a midfield team. You're, no, you're not a midfield team anymore you are now a potential contender you are the second best team in Formula 1 I think on raw pace and
1: big news since the last time we spoke mm. going into 2026 they will be the Honda factory team
0: you are about to inherit the best power unit in Formula 1 Yeah, you, you haven't got an excuse at this point
1: because that that is the rock upon which they must build their church, because now you are no longer beholden to Mercedes and the choices they make with the components that they sell you. You are no longer beholden to their power unit, which is still good, but it's the least good of the front runners. Right. Um, you're doing this for one reason, one reason only. You want to win championships. You don't become a factory team in Formula One to make up the numbers.
0: No, it's
1: not the name of the game. You do it because you want to contend at the very top. And Red Bull has expressed genuine regret. I mean, Max is genuinely sad that they have lost Honda because it's no given. It's no given factor that the Red Bull Powertrains engine uh, with the Ford stickers on it uh, is going to be any good. No, Honda has become that proven quantity, that known. You know they are going to give you a power unit that is going to bust up everyone around you now.
0: Right, you're you're no longer going to have your yeah, you're not going to have your handheld anymore. You're on your own from 2026 onwards, essentially. Like I know, like Ford's not bringing much to the table here outside brand partnerships.
1: If you're Aston Martin, and Lance Stroll continues to do this, where he is, I mean, Vettel was one was. 1 and 1. 1.9 feet out the door for last year and he was still beating the brakes off of Stroll for most of the season.
0: Yeah, we had no incentive to drive as, as well as he did in the back half of 2022 and yet was still comprehensively better than Lance.
1: Um I mean when we saw Lance I mean try to trigger an airplane crash in Coda. Mm. Um and, and it's just it's not just the pace. Because Lance has good days on pace, he has bad days on pace. The fuck was he doing into the hairpin? Trying to pass Albon and just drove himself into the wall twice.
0: Just, just, it's the man still has no spatial awareness. Like this is a guy. This is like I need, I need to make this point. This is year seven for Lance Stroll. Year seven. We've crucified drivers for less. We've completely obliterated drivers. For for far less egregious shit who never got anywhere near to hundred and forty career starts. Cause Lance is coming up to one thirty on the amount of races. He's at hundred and twenty-five Grand Prix. And he is still making rookie mistakes.
1: There's no excuse. I mean I mean his first time in Monaco was better than what we saw on Sunday, and it's I used to be one of the biggest Lance defenders, you know, in, in our little uh roving band of motorsport journalism but the excuses are running out and when they are now one point ahead of mercedes in the world constructors championship and the mercedes is shit,
0: it's not a good race car i don't care they what you completely,
1: tell me they completely redesigned it we have finally got side pods all new floor all new front suspension and they were no better than they have been no And you have Lewis and Russell more or less coming out and saying, yeah, it's an improvement, but it's ultimately a fairly small step. Right. It's the first in a long journey back to the top for Mercedes. There's no excuse why this Aston, which is a superb race car Mm. is one point ahead of them in the constructors. That's that speaks to the quality of the driver lineup that Mercedes has. I mean, Seven-time world champion Lewis fucking Hamilton will do that for you. It was excellence all weekend. <sighs> who was doing his damnedest to try and wring everything he could out of that car, and George Russell, who for all of what we just roasted him with, still made a net gain up to P five. Yeah. Um. Alonso's not going to be able to do it all if one of those other teams, be it Ferrari, who have massive upgrades for Spain. Or Mercedes, we know what they're capable of over a season and in-season development. Absolutely. Um, if they start getting ahead of
0: steam, ultimately Aston Martin are still a customer team here. Like, like I'm not. I don't think Aston Martin will be able to hold on to this second over the course of the whole season because Merckx will spearhead I think one their car. Will, him. but I think one car absolutely. Alonso, will. Yeah, I was gonna say Alonso is single-handedly. <coughs> Putting the whole team on his back like Greg Jennings in a game of Madden 12, while at the same time, Lance Stroll is an anchor. He is opening the gap for teams like Ferrari, Mercedes and Alpine to punish them week in on week out. They should be in a rock solid second place right now, given the form of Aston Martin all year long. And Stroll is keeping the door open for them to be vulnerable.
1: It's one thing if you're not, you know, scooping up podiums like Alonzo is. It's quite another to be not even sniffing points before you crash out of the race. Oh yeah. Um and that's been Lance on a couple of occasions this year. But enough about Lance Stroll. Check up. What the fuck was that, Sergio? Now let me set the stage for you. The king of the streets, as they call him. Yeah, okay. Sure. Um He crashed the car in Q1, pushing way too hard into turn one on what is an ultimately an inconsequential session for maybe the best Formula One car we've seen in years. Mm -hmm. Maybe at this rate, it might be the best one we've ever seen relative to its competition. It's obnoxiously busted. Why are you
0: pushing that hard in Q1? He was probably five or six miles an hour too fast going through that apex, before clattering into that what wall and wrecked his car and led to them being craned away and 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 yeah, like the so like I still think to a degree that the Sergio Perez street circuit moniker is a little bit coincidental more than it is Perez being this street circuit god. Yes, his driving style is a little bit more conducive. Towards street circuits, because yeah, it's Let's it's it it's it it's, it's Baku. It's, it's Baku. He's the best driver ever around Baku. Like, and that's okay. That's cool. It's a nice little feather in the cap to have. But, you know, like like Charles Leclerc is also stupidly good around Baku. It happens, right? But the thing is, is that <coughs> it's you like okay. I don't think anybody really explicitly thought that. Perez again is going to give Max a go over a season. I still wonder how much of this is our own silly hope. And look, I it's openly the, it's hold my yeah. I hold my hands up now as a fully fledged professional journalist. I've been told to make videos specifically to stir up this fucking pot, like almost through shame, because I know in the back of my head that I know he hasn't got a prayer. But I have to try and use whatever intangible argument I can make to make it seem like he's got a chance. I'm starting to think the street circuit thing is purely a fucking coincidence, because this is not good enough.
1: This is the second time this year that he has just, he's come into qualifying on the back foot, because look, Max is driving out of his mind right now. Absolutely. This car, and I think some of it was last year's car, because last year's car early on in the season, we know that because of its limitations on how they could distribute the weight, it just suited Checo more than Max. Max likes, an, likes the pointiest car you've ever seen. Um, you know, Alex Albon talking about how it's like playing Call of Duty on Max Sensitivity. Yeah. And great quote. this car gives Max that driving style. He can use all of what he is as a driver to generate the lap time. And there's times where Sergio's just not going to be able to live with that. And we all need to be able to live with that. And this is now the second time, first time was in Australia, where you just came into qualifying and just crashed the fucking car, just driving way, way too hard into a corner um, and trying to live with speed through the apex and, or in, not even at the apex yet. You know, trying yeah. to live with speed into the corner that the car just wouldn't live with.
0: But why um, are you doing that in Q1? You, it's the, Q1. Why? At Monaco. I, I I, I know Q one is. I know like Monaco is very close in terms of time because it's such a short lap and it mitigates a lot of car performance. But you could you you could stroll, pardon the pun, it's an, stroll a into Q two. Absolutely, it's it's, it's it's completely unacceptable for a driver of his caliber.
1: Yeah, it's it's not like he's new at this. He's been here for well over a decade, and he's had some great times in Monaco. He's had some really shit ones too. I mean, his first time in Monaco ended up with him. taking part um that crashed into the chicane which geez i still remember like yesterday but Mm. there's another part of this plot line where no one's pining for pictures of the mercedes floor no one is pining for pictures of the ferrari no no you outed the uh, the underside of the red bull where that is where they make all the money that is where the the red bull visibly Makes every other car look almost prehistoric.
0: Oh yeah, it is. It is. It's the money shot. It's, it's Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct. It, it's, it, it, it's 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 the see, money I, shot. A man of culture, I say. Oh. <laughs> um, Show my age a little bit there, but yeah.
1: But, I mean, I like to think I have a pretty decent grasp on the technical side of F1 cars, mm. and I look at the underside of the rebel. I have no idea what the fuck's going on that car that is completely beyond me i can cut you can kind of eyeball wind tunnel what other floors are doing this thing is like alien technology visibly compared to every other car you think every other team is got their hands on those pictures right now dumping every resource that
0: they can muster into analyzing what makes that car tick and every team out there trying to snatch anyone close to Adrian Newey in that camp. I mean, we've already, heard, I mean, much has been made of Dan Fallows already at Aston Martin. You've got another big one in the news a couple of days ago with Rob Marshall going to McLaren next year. who was, again, one of Adrian's right-hand people and has been there from one the, the start. Chief,
1: one of the chief architects. <laughs> so we've heard through the grapevine of mm-hmm. Red Bull's 2026 project when we get the regulation reset. He was, you know, more or less in charge of that project as far as we know. So there's a very good reason why every little every image of the RB19 has been treated like gold. And you've just given them the entire underside of the car, one half of the underside of the car. The other half was destroyed because you crashed it that hard. It's not just that you've scored a big fat zero for the weekend Max has scored 25 points and now all the pressure is off in the title race. Max can fuck around for the rest of the year. 39 gonna, back now. He's probably not going to drop 39 points for the rest of the year. I said that <laughs> last year in jest and then he actually fucking did it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, exactly. Like, like, there is a reasonable chance Max doesn't give up 39 points between now and the end of the year. Like, it's, it's Good bar barring contact or other shenanigans, like like reliability maybe, we never know. But like, as it stands... It's not just that, Dre.
1: Yeah. It's that he's not only done that, he has potentially, we need to see how it plays out, he's potentially outed Red Bull's design secrets to the world, which affects their long-term prospects in the sport.
0: Right. It's not good. Yeah, that could have serious ramifications down the road in regards to Red Bull's Seat at the top of the Pantheon right now in this sport, and Perez just gave the game away. That was uh, that like that was the biggest mistake he's made at Monaco since seeing the nice girl at the after party last year. Um, so <laughs> I can't believe I just said that.
1: I mean, you're not wrong, but you, yeah, no, no, mm. no, no, no. I'll let you cook. I'll
0: let you cook. But uh, I love that Jason. In the chat also goes. <clears throat> the streets won't forget this failure. Uh, so, which yeah is a. Is a pretty adequate way of, of of summing that up, really. I suppose, mm. um, yeah, um, not not the best of days for the number two mans in a lot of the top end, pretty much all the top end seats this weekend in Formula One. Okay, Pierre Gasly, uh, where were you, bud? He'll <laughs> like seventh is like the least egregious problem with an Alpine o- across the big five teams over the course of this weekend. However, on the other end. Shout out to Esteban Ocon, third place. What a result that... I think a lot of people have forgotten that Esteban Ocon is seriously, a, a seriously good driver. Um, you know, how many times do you hear about Ocon making a mistake or having a bad weekend? Or like, like Bar like
1: safest pairs of hands in the sport,
0: honestly. Absolutely. And again, mm-hmm. just just brilliant. All weekend long, qualified superbly, held on to his pace, withstood the pressure of signs behind him, you know, defended perfectly, drove on to get a brilliant podium. It should ease a little bit of the pressure because uh, we have beef. Hot steaming beef. Off the grill regarding Alpine's upper management at the moment, because if, if, if you've been keeping track of this since Baku, um, Alpine CEO Laurent Rossi is um, what, what's the French word for a, a piste um, at the moment? At so how things are going at the moment, uh, he laid into the French team. Um, this was the most; the bulk of these comments came after Miami, where he basically said Bahrain was amateurish. He said that. Uh, Baku was unacceptable, not good enough after um, Pierre Gasly's car decided to announce a new Pope. Um, and uh, basically, uh, Bahrain, the Ocon hat-trick of penalties, the rare bad weekend for Mesterman. Um, he has very much ramped up the pressure on now Snafnauer, the team principal, basically saying that, uh, yeah, you know, we can't afford to do this. Uh, we can't afford to keep doing this. You keep making the same mistakes over and over again. And uh, Otmar, Otmar responded when we got to Monaco uh, this past weekend, and he basically said, look, everyone around us that's won recently has done so on five-year plans. Like when Mercedes brought bought out Braun, it took them five years to consistently win. When Red Bull bought Jaguar, it took them five years to consistently win from the midfield." Um, and he even talked about Aston Martin, how essentially um they've gone from seventh best team to second or third best team, and this is year five of Lawrence stroll Twenty eighteen. yeah this, this is this is year five years, f- yeah, this is year five of Lawrence Stroll having an ownership stake in the team um, and ironically, he mentioned Lauren rossi, who it's hard not to draw like parallels between. When Carlos Ghosn, do crime, um, was CEO of then Renault, he talked about the five year plan, the five year plan to make you know Renault title contenders, and how that spectacularly failed. And then Lauren Rossi comes in and calls it a one hundred race plan.
1: I say we're in a what year seven of that original five year plan?
0: Yeah, we are. They got, this is, they, they got this, a race win. Yeah, like they got one race win. <clears throat> they got one race win to their name. And as Ottmar pointed out, we, this is race 27 of the 100 race plan to... Because like, Lauren Rossi, when he came in as CEO, basically said they want Alpine regularly on the podium by 2024, like basically the end of next year. A, a 100 race plan from the time he took over as CEO, essentially. Now, with all this beef, and Ottmar the snappiest comment being... I've been in this sport for 25 years. I know what it takes. Um, With Ocon scoring that podium, who is in the right at Alpine, Cam?
1: Um, Would you be mad at me if I said, I don't know? I
0: just don't
1: know. Um, This team remains a conundrum because it, it feels like they're always, like, since, I'd say since rebranding as Alpine, i say since 2020, I would say, when the last year is Renault. Yeah. They're always just ticking a little bit further up all the time, where it feels like, you know, every upgrade they bring inches them a little closer to the front. But that's just it. It's inches. Right. And... Not so much that their power unit is bad so much as it is the least good now because I don't think there's a truly awful power unit in F1 no. anymore. But for a long fucking time, it was Renault's. Oh, yeah. They were the ones who championed these regulations more than anyone else and then they got their pants pulled down. And Absolutely. Blown into the weeds. And at no stage in this engine regulation set have they had the best power unit.
0: None.
1: None. Um, may- maybe once or twice in Mexico at the ultra-high altitude. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, while their engine is, I would say the least bad rather hmm. than actively terrible um, because we're in an engine freeze. There's not really a lot they can do about that. And last year, their reliability was piss poor. It's called Absolutely. a spade. Um, they threw so they left so many points on the table, just burning through power units, burning through water pumps. Um, This year, that's better. Mm -hmm. And it feels like the chassis, again, has taken another step. But then you have Aston, who, with their new technical structure, have just leapfrogged everyone, except for Red Bull, of
0: course. I'd argue they are probably the biggest victims of Aston Martin. Of course. Making the gains that they have, because it's now shoved Alpine back down to fifth when they made genuine strides in beating McLaren in the race for fourth last year
1: to say nothing of the state of McLaren who they, they were jumping up and down for points. until there was, Oh, Alpine just scored a bundle on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and there's just that car, the, even the B spec McLaren, so piss poor, there's nothing they can really do. 21 um, points this weekend compared
0: to what McLaren's free. Yep. That's a hammer blow given the state of the field right now. Like that, that wipes out any gains they, they had made in Australia.
1: But the whole problem is Alpine was in that position to begin with, mm. uh, because I mean, we saw what happened in Australia where they hit each other. Oh, yeah. Um, they've left a bunch of points on the table again, some through operational, some from again, poor reliability in Baku, where Gasly's engine just grenaded. Um. It just feels like they're always making progress, but they're never making that big leap up. Not, not since they're fairly poor year by their own standards in
0: 2019. Absolutely. It's, I also love how self-indulgent Lauren Rossi was, because he was with the team this weekend at Monaco, and he claimed it was his words that had turned the team around in Monaco and got them that podium finish. Okay. But <laughs> yeah. let yeah, no. you say this man? car is very good. It's just
1: again, it's the least good of the front runners rather than, you know, the Ferrari has a lot of problems, but it has legitimate upsides. Ditto with the Mercedes, although fewer upsides with the Mercedes right now. Mm. Um, but on just the pure merit of the cars, you're not touching the Red Bull. And further back from them, you're not touching the Aston under normal circumstances. Unless you're Lance Stroll, in which you stink.
0: Right. <laughs> and Alonso's good enough where that doesn't matter at that point, really. For um, For now, at least. And, yeah, it's, it's a weird beef. Like, Lauren Rossi is like, I don't see what you gain in throwing the team under the bus when I don't, when there is a viable explanation for their struggles, um, i.e. Aston Martin. No, I don't think anybody predicted Aston Martin making the gains that they've made this year. Um, we
1: didn't, but we thought they were glory. Some of us thought we were. they were glory running in preseason
0: testing. They weren't, um, like, at all. And, yeah. and if you look throughout the way this season has played out, there's been multiple races this year where Alpine has punched well above its weight in, in in race running like Miami we had gasly running up there for a good while it was a little bit unlucky made a couple of small mistakes but you know, it was it wasn't a bad time for RP in, in australia gasly ran most of that race in the top 5 until that final restart i don't know
1: how much dre that that's punching above their weight i think that's where they should be on merit
0: Look, a I good weekend they- and they they can they can mix it up with mercedes and ferrari now
1: yeah, they, they can hang on to their coattails. It's just there's nothing they can do about Aston. I don't think I look. You think Mercedes feels good right now being clubbed by a customer team, right? No, you think Ferrari feels good right now watching Fernando Alonso, who spent years trying to win a title with them right now. He's got a better average finish with Aston. Than I think he ever did with Ferrari. It just doesn't matter in the face of, you know, the overwhelming dominance of uh, the RB19 and the man piloting it. Um, I don't I'm kind of in your camp. I don't think there's anything to gain by throwing the team under the bus when until the new engine regulations, this is kind of just where they are.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not seeing where Alpine's going to suddenly make a three or four tenth a lap game that would really put them up there with like Aston Martin is as, like the second best team in the field.
1: Th- they've got to make up their whole deficit on the power unit side and then on the chassis side. I think their chassis is very solid. I mean, yeah, I think it's good. Low to medium speed. They were as quick as Aston Martin were around this track
0: yeah yeah their blessing is that i don't think they're a million miles away like i I know one of their technical guys said they reckon they're gonna beat mercs and ferrari next time out in spain this weekend and i Uh, wanted to laugh at them and i was like i can't really do that because i don't think it's that lofty a goal anymore i
1: I think it's almost their car in a lot of ways is almost like a like a more primitive Red Bull in a lot of its traits. One mm. of those is that it's really kind to its tires. If they can use that in Spain, there's no reason to why they can't do that.
0: Yeah. But, Spain a a been one of the biggest tire wear tracks we go to.
1: Oh, I think I think Red Bull's gonna lap everyone up to like sixth fucking place. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: uh, I, I, I think it's going to be obnoxious. But <clears throat> what Alpine can't keep doing is putting themselves in a big enough hole that the inherent quality of their drivers and car ends up not mattering. We've seen them make mistakes. We've seen those drivers make mistakes. Esteban is usually very solid, but he can drop a clunker every now and again. Gasly's been ridiculously up and down.
0: Yeah, very erratic. Like, on paper, every bit as good as at his best. Mm-hmm. His bad days have been dreadful.
1: Yeah. Uh, too reminiscent of his time at Red Bull, honestly, where... He had a couple good days in Red Bull, but they were outweighed by the really awful days where you see Verstappen lapping him or you see him crashing into, uh, you know, midfield team cars. Um, yeah, until 2026, it's hard to see them making that big leap unless they find something really special on the chassis side of the car. And while Team Endstone has always built a good chassis, it's been a while since they've built a truly great one.
0: And that's probably what it's going to take. And the way in the sport, decade. yeah, yeah, the since way the, the sport's that, that going right, yeah, yeah, the way the sport's going at the moment, it's going to be hard for them to do it. It's going to be hard for them to make gains. This has been the this is the most competitive Alpine has been in in the Team Endstone guy since probably twenty thirteen, I would say. And ever since, you know,
1: ever since they were Lotus and they were saving a pit stop on everyone. And Romain Grosjean, remember him? Remember him? Yeah. Was uh, throwing hands with Sebastian Vettel around asian tracks yeah it's been a long fucking mm, time
0: mm, absolutely and i I don't i don't see an obvious place where they can get better because like you said their chassis is generally pretty good their power unit yeah okay it's probably the weakest in the field but it's not by a long shot it's you know it's negligible It's,
1: it's it's near where mercedes are but their reliability is still a little suspect yeah but you can't improve
0: that We're in an engine freeze where where you're stuck with
1: what you've got for at least the next three years.
0: Exactly. And you've got two pretty good drivers. Esteban Ocon is a very, very good driver, a very safe pair of hands. And we've seen the upside of Pierre Gasly. And when it's there, it's glorious. He's a fantastic upside driver. He's a very high ceiling guy. Very good reason why both of them are race winners. Absolutely. And... There's not an obvious place where this team can massively improve. And I hope Lauren Rossi's got the patience to understand that because it's gonna be hard for them to make big gains on like this. This is the big boys league now, Alpine. Like, this is what it's gonna to have to take if you want to stay in this spot. Like, you haven't got a groundbreaking re-upgrade that's gonna make you suddenly gain half a second compared to the previous year. You're now in the thick of it with the best this sport has to offer. Like, this is kind of where you should be as a team right now.
1: This is this is where you fought up from, you know, from the depths 20 years ago. And eventually you did get there and you did nail home two championships.
0: But it's a different sport now. 100%, 100%. And hey, we'll have to wait and see how they fare in Spain. That is going to be this weekend's race. Um, the end of what we thought was going to be a triple header. As Cam alluded to, Red Bull's probably going to run the field over. But hey, at least the final chicane's gone.
1: Yeah, you took away the three corners that their car might not suit and replace it with one big one that it will.
0: Yay. Oh, God. <laughs> May the good Lord help us all. Loaded weekend of motorsport this weekend. We've we, gonna be. we got three episodes the next week to get through. We're going to have Formula One and the Spanish Grand Prix. We're going to have uh, IndyCar and its brand-new street circuit in Detroit. And we're going to see how that goes down, the traditional post-500 hangover race, as I like to call it, um, on the streets of the new streets of Detroit track, I should say, which is, if you'd like 90-degree corners... You're in luck um, because that new track's got plenty of them. Um, and we've got Formula e, they there back after their mid-season break. They'll be at Jakarta over in Indonesia. Um, also, um,
1: of course, one of the reasons why our co-host isn't here. Mm. Um, we've also got prep for Le Mans. Oh, absolutely. Where, uh, see what we can do to get some content out about that big year for Le Mans. Mm. Um, big BOP change, despite you know what the ACO said about not changing the BOP probably a good thing, but probably not the right way to go about it.
0: Yes, in it's probably a good thing, but you might have pissed off your number one team in the process. Yeah. You pissed off Coach Kamui. That has consequences in these parts. Uh, <laughs> Etc. So... I, almost certainly, I will likely uh, be run down and stuffed in a locker and be told by my co host Dre, we're doing them on preview, and that's final. Um, and I will probably cave in because I'm a soft bitch. So, um, look forward to that sometime next week, as well as a bunch of other uh, races. Again, so it's like, like I said, IndyCar in Detroit, F1 Grand Prix in Spain, almost certainly will be on the docket as well. We'll see what we do about Formula E because we didn't do one in Monaco. So, we'll probably stuff them together and maybe put them out in a, in a, in a quiet a week most likely we'll catch up with that as well so a whole heap of content coming to the m101 network real soon i hope you guys sit back and enjoy it's going to be a fun time over the next couple of weeks here so look forward to that but uh, like i said please you can find us one more time motorsport101.com is our website check us out all our, all our social media is over there again motorsport101 uh, on twitter at Dre underscore wtf1 at cbuckley917 um, for all of that as well patreon.com forward slash i just put one away if you want to back us on there but until next time i've been dre harrison he's been cam buckley and until next time error.
1: free my boy chase danny had it coming <laughs>
0: Since when did you join NASCAR's marketing department? (sighs) Last week. Uh, That checks out.